New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What about the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Monday. NCIS! Here's where we can see them! NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent Island, you got here. Welcome to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central. On CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome in here to Fighting Ever Fighting. I'm Cole Carmody of GoPowerCat.com. Before we get started with our video, make sure you're subscribing on the YouTube channel. Leave this video a like and a comment. Subscribe to the website at GoPowerCat.com and wherever you get your podcast. And now, let's get into our conversation with current Kansas State Center, Hayden Gillum. And for the first time, in the brief history of Fighting Ever Fighting, we are now joined by a current Kansas State athlete, and there's really no one better to be joined by than 2022 Big 12 champion and Kansas State Wildcat starting center, Hayden Gillum. First of all, Hayden, when I say 2022 Big 12 champion, just how nice is it to be introduced like that? Uh, it, it's definitely a nice label to be tagged with. Uh, there could be a lot worse, but I, I sometimes forget when people say it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, talking to some of those guys, um, we obviously talked to Echo Boydo and Kurt Warner already on the show, and you can tell that um, it's going to mean that that game means a lot to people. And, and obviously, you're still a part of the team, so, you, you know, you have some bigger aspirations. But I'm curious, you guys just finished spring ball. You're a fifth-year senior getting ready to go into your sixth year of college. With no spring ball, what does someone who is in their fifth year of college do during the day? I think that's something that a lot of people kind of uh, overlook. You are still an athlete here, or you are still a student as well. Yeah, so right now um, I'm finishing up my master's. Um, I got a couple more weeks left of school, and we're actually, we transitioned back into a different phase of workouts. We have two more workouts before we kind of get off a little bit of time at the end of May. So we're working out about three days a week right now, running and lifting. And just really, right now is the biggest time to start gearing up for summer. And this is something we put a huge emphasis on last year. May is a big month. And because everyone's training during the normal times, but who's doing the work during the kind of the off period. So May is a big month to get us geared up for summer. And, and for you guys, spring ball looked a lot different this year than it did last year. Not only were you in the brand new indoor facility, but guys had a lot more people healthy. Um, I'm sure that had to have been nice. And, and what was the vibe like during spring ball? And then overall, how do you feel like it ended up for you guys? Oh, it, it was a, it was a great spring ball. Um, you know, every year, even last spring ball, we would finish and I'd say, man, we got a lot of work to go. Um, it's never like when you, when you finish spring ball, you're never like, man, we're ready to go this season, but there was growth and we brought in a lot of new guys. Um, we had some, we had some great competition in there. Um, there's a lot of guys across the team, young guys, new guys, transfers, and there was a lot of growth this year. There's still a long ways to go, but we saw a lot and we had um, some new D linemen and they were able to help us. And it, it was just a, it was a good spring ball. 
What was it like when you guys figured out and walked out into the indoor facility for the first time? I know you had a chance to do that a little bit in bowl prep, but now that you really had a chance to kind of call it your own, just what, what was that feeling like the first day of spring ball practice? You walked outside and you walked inside rather and you're like, wow, this is really what we're practicing. Yeah, it's kind of like a fresh new start. Um, at the beginning, it kind of felt like we were on the road playing somewhere else or practicing somewhere else. But that facility is state of the art and it's amazing and we're very thankful for it. But the ability that we have to have our own space and move around and do different drills and transition, um, I'd say it, it definitely made things work smooth. Um, when we get everybody on one field, it can be tight. And just it, it was such an asset for us this spring ball to have everybody right there. And we were using indoor, outdoor. Um, it was great. And coming from Plainville, Kansas, which, by the way, um, I'm from Kansas City. I actually had to look up where Plainville was, <laughs> um, according to the 2020 census, just less than 2,000 people. Um, north of Hayes, for those who are not familiar, um, take me back to your days as a youth and, and growing up in Plainville, we, had you always wanted to come to K-State? Were you always a K-State fan? Or just kind of take me through um, your, your, your childhood. Yeah. Um, well, my dad went to K-State, graduated from K-State. And I guess I always just kind of grew up following K-State. I never really had the option to be a KU fan. Uh, my dad didn't give me that choice. But uh, I, I remember when I was little, I, um, I was listening to a game on the radio. I think I was like in a tractor or something. And I, I remember hearing I can't even remember which game it was, but I had to have been about 10. And like, that was the first time I was ever like, man, this is cool. I remember hearing the guy's names and I was like, this is something I'd want to do. And my parents brought us down to a game and I went there and I, uh, I spoke a couple of weeks ago and I told people, I can still remember just like the sound of the stadium. I remember seeing the silver stripe of the helmets, them run out the old video screen that they used to play everything on. And I was like, I want to do this someday. And for me, that was really the start of it. I, I can just I can look back on that picture and see it so vividly of everything I remember that day. And that was when I was like, you know, I want to come here and I want to play football at K-State. And were you always was football always your favorite sport? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming uh, a lot of the times in small town America, you play everything. Was that was that the case with you as well? And when did you really start to develop that passion for football, would you say? Yeah, um, I, I played all sports, basketball, track, football. And probably actually played basketball more when we were younger. My brother was a really good basketball player. And my physique and my smoothness kind of transitioned me towards football. He kept playing basketball, and it became more fit to me to play football. He moves a lot better. He's a little more athletic. Um, I fouled out a lot, and it kind of made it a pretty clear sign that it was football was going to be my path if I wanted to keep playing. I, I did a little bit of research before this, and, and on the uh, official athletics website, it lists you as the all-time leading tackler in the history of the conference that that your sc high school was in. Uh, was defense always something that you wanted to do? Like, did you have opportunities to play defense at the next level? And I guess, how did you kind of settle on offensive line? Yeah, so I love defense. Um, I've always been aggressive since I was younger, and I played linebacker since I was probably in like peewee football and I played defense all through high school. And that was, that was really what I loved. My coaches probably didn't like it. I would blitz about every play. I just would take off. But um, in high school, I was probably about 225 my freshman year and the 235, 240 my senior year. And um, I loved it. I really enjoyed it, but there just really wasn't any opportunity for me at the second level as far as my speed and stuff. Um, I went to some camps and they worked me out at defensive end and D line. And 
I, uh, I actually, my walk on at K-State, I came in as a defensive tackle. So defense was my kind of true position, I would say, or what I'd played the most, but I didn't care. Um, I told Coach Pratt, whatever you'll take me on the team as. He said, well, that's fine. You want to come here, but what do you want to play? And I said, Coach, whatever, whatever gets me on the team. And I, I was okay with whatever. I was just happy to be here. Well, you mentioned that your senior year, you were 240 pounds. And I think last year, Sports in Kansas had put out a picture of you um, on Twitter as a, as a high school senior and transitioned to, to where you are now. A lot of people don't understand how hard it is for um, specifically offensive linemen to come in and put on weight. Uh, there's a reason why we just don't see very many true freshmen play at any school on the offensive line. What was that transition like for you trying to get your body into shape to not just start or get in the rotation, but just be able to hold your own and compete because there is a major difference between being 240 pounds and being even 260 pounds on the offensive line. Yeah. Um, when I got here, it was a, it was a battle to just stay alive. I mean, I could do things right. I could work hard, but at the end of the day, when the guys are bigger than you and stronger than you, um, it's a challenge. And I knew, I knew coming into this coach Brad told me I had to gain weight before I came here. Um, I started pushing. I probably got up to maybe 250 or 260 when I came in and then lost it instantly in running. And it, it was a journey. And then after that first spring with the coaches, um, I, I really didn't have a good spring at all. And, you know, the coaches, they knew how hard I worked and I did things right. But we talked and, you know, I had a goal of if I was going to get to 280 by the next December, um, we kind of decided that maybe D Division One power football wouldn't be for me. And um, I knew I was going to stay. I knew I was going to get there. And I continued to gain that weight. I ended up getting there. And then I'd say the biggest transition was, okay, I got to 280, but I got there by just eating calories. So now I'm of size, but how do I transition this to muscle? And I'd say the next phase was getting that weight turned into good weight. Um, I'd say the one advantage to it is coming from being a smaller guy, playing linebacker, I was pretty agile and moved well. So I was able to hold on to a lot of that as I have put on my weight. I think that's one of my um, better parts of my game. So being able to still be able to move, but be 290, 295 pounds. Um, but it, it's definitely been a journey. It's not an easy task. And and take me back to even the recruiting process, because I would imagine anywhere that you would have decided to go on, you would have had to put on some kind of weight. Was, was there ever any opportunity for you to play linebacker or even defensive end at the next level? I know you said you came to Casey as a defensive tackle, but um, if you would have played linebacker, maybe you wouldn't have had to put on all that weight. Is there Was there ever any other opportunities for you before you decided on K-State? Yeah, um, there was. Uh, some of the smaller schools, I, I would probably know, play defensive end or D-line somewhere. But the the linebacker dream was never really there. I just, I quite honestly didn't move well enough. Um, but I'm so grateful. I used to DM Sped every single day. And he gave me a shot and let me come here. And I can't thank him enough for that. But the as far as playing other positions, the the end of it was probably about D-end. And I probably still would have ended up inside. Um, but... I, it would have helped me a little bit not having to gain as much weight. And fortunately enough, at the end of my first summer as a defensive lineman, a couple offensive linemen quit. And they called me in and said, at that time I wasn't in camp. The first day of camp was about to start. And they called me in and said, hey, if you'd like to move to offensive lineman, you have a spot in camp. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. Here I come. And that was, that was quite the surprise. <laughs> yeah, and I can imagine when you get over there um, and, and you do have those conversations about – 
putting on more weight. I think a lot of people you mentioned, you just at, at some point you're just eating calories. I mean, it's, it's kind of a process for, 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 you know, guys like yourself to, to put on that, that good weight as, as you call it, but you have to just put on the weight first. You mentioned how hard it was to put on that good weight. I guess what, what all did that entail for people maybe who don't know and, and how much was that a strain on you to, to try and find a way to put on the good weight and, and add muscle? Yeah. So thankfully enough, we are blessed with some amazing support staff. So once I did get to the weight, this was a big, big thing for me last year was um, transitioning that way. And Scott Trouch, he's our team nutritionist. Um, he helped me so much and just really dialing in on what it looks like for me to be eating um, the amount of protein that I need to be taken in. Cause the hard part for me is you start eating more protein then you're eating less calories. You might, you might start dropping weight. And I could, I was never in a position where I could lose weight. So I had to continue to eat good food by eating enough. And then um, coach true and the strength staff, they really had an individual plan for me last year, which allowed me to continue to work the things that I'm good at being able to move and um, different types of resistance training and that kind of stuff. But Scott Trouch, our nutritionist, he, he really helped me. Um, it's still a goal of mine to continue to get my body fat down and increase muscle mass um, and hope to do the same that I did last year to put me in even better position this season. And, and you talk about playing offensive line. It is a skill that uh, not many, I think, understand unless you have actually done it at any level. Um, there is a certain nastiness that offensive linemen have to have and it just seems like everybody, not just yourself, along that offensive line, you talk to them outside of football, and they are the nicest human beings possible. Um, does Coach Riley, Connor Riley, just just make you guys click? And I guess, how do you develop that attitude of um, that, that killer mentality along the line when it, by all accounts, the offensive linemen are probably the nicest people, uh, at least on, on this version of the Kansas State Wildcats? Um, I think it goes into a lot, the type of people that you bring in. And Coach Riley knows that when he's recruiting and this type of person, and even on official visits, you know, Coach Riley says, I want your feedback on these guys. And it starts with finding people that you think will gel with our room. And then secondly, that aggressive mentality and that that's a mentality that Coach Riley continue preaches to us and we continue to spread throughout the room. And it's developed. Um, some of it's natural, but some of it's developed. And I think offensive line in general is just a you have to be a selfless and you have to be willing to get your hands dirty and just go to work. And those are things that Coach Riley looks for when he's watching high school kids. I mean, you can watch a kid's film and say, all right, does this kid like to work? Um, you, you can kind of tell a lot of stuff. But the mentality that we had this last season, um, those are all things that Coach Riley works with us. We continue to develop. And all the guys in that room, you can go down the line. Um, somewhere or another, they were told they couldn't do it. They weren't recruited. They were had offers pulled. They weren't, they didn't have offers and they all have the same mentality. They're, they're great guys. They're selfless, but they're willing to work and they know the work that it takes to do stuff and the commitment and what comes along with that. And one of those guys is your good buddy, Cooper Beebe and the all American um, decides to come back and, and we'll get to that choice and, and kind of talk about your decision to come back as well. But specifically regarding Cooper, was there any particular moment where it kind of clicked with you that, Oh my goodness, this guy is really stinking good. Yeah. Uh, I'm fortunate to play next to Cooper. I'm fortunate to play next to all of them. But there's just – there's a lot of little things that maybe watching the game you wouldn't notice that make Cooper great. But there's times if I'll miss something or I might I might get beat. And Cooper's just there to help. 
Um, he's just smooth. He doesn't make mistakes. He's a smart player. Um, he's strong. He's just, he's well-rounded in all assets and he knows where to be and, and when to be there. So playing next to Cooper is, is definitely nice. Um, he's a great help and he's just a great asset along our offensive line. And he's another one of those guys. I know he wants to be a teacher and, um, he, he just seems like the kind of person that is selfless. Uh, I think, that, again, that's a, another theme along that offensive line. And another one of your teammates I want to ask you about is, is KT Loveston because we've heard Coach Kleiman talk about him on and on about how when he came to K-State, he had a lot of things to figure out. And by all accounts, he has. He's obviously returning mm-hmm. for a sixth season just like you. Where have you seen KT grow the most since you both stepped foot on campus? Um, I think just KT's belief in himself, you know, KT had to work to get to where he was. KT's a, he's a specimen. He's really a freak. He's a freak athlete. He's an exceptional person. One of the most giving human there possibly is, but KT has learned to believe in himself. And that's came through the work that KT's put in. Um, he's done the work. He's been here. He's been the whole time. He's a guy like me. He, he really hadn't played much up until last year, started a full season. And KT put in the work and just continued to trust that process and the confidence that he built in himself and that the coaches have in KT and we have in one another. Um, KT's earned that and he's built that. Just, um, I'd say when he got here, KT didn't realize how good that he could be. And I think he's still learning how good he can be. And the sky is the limit for KT this year. KT can continue to play on for years if he wants to. Um, he's an exceptional person and just a – hardworking guy like the rest of us. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so take me back to the start of last season. You obviously were here for four years, hadn't started a game, I don't believe, um, and now you are tasked with starting on opening night, week one of the season. What is going through your mind when you are introduced, they flash your name up on the video board and say starting at center, Hayden Gillum? What is what is that moment like when, I guess, A, you find out you're going to start and B, you, you run out onto the tunnel knowing it's your game after having worked all that time to get to the point where you are now? Yeah, um, it, it was a, there was a lot there, I'd say that. Um, when that final roster came out and I saw my name at the top of it, um, it was meaningful. There, there was a lot of emotions. Um, at first, I kind of felt a lot of pressure, you know. I said, this is a time and I hadn't had maybe those game reps that everybody else had had. And, you know, I knew that I was in the position and coach believed me. He put me there to start. He knew I could do it. But you still have those questions in the back of your head. And ultimately, I just resulted back to I've had more practice than probably anybody else. I'm ready for this. Um, I believed in myself this whole way. And I knew there was times when I doubted or people doubted. And it's the same thing. It was just another step in the journey. And I remember talking to my dad. He goes, well, it's just another game. And. It really was. And I went in with that mindset. And I think ultimately what I fell back on was I knew how well I prepared. And I've never been the biggest guy or the strongest guy, but 
I know where to be and when to be there. And I knew how much I'd prepped for it. I knew how much work I put in. Um, I knew the game plan. And when you do that and you know that your preparation is there, it really takes a lot of the stress off of it. But it was so exciting just to be there and run out of that tunnel. And I think I got to witness Noah do that as a walk-on to getting his first start. And I'd seen guys do it for years. So it was it was special to finally kind of break over that barrier. And then once I got through the first game, I was like, let's go. Here we go. <laughs> And another thing that happened in that first game, you're starting alongside Taylor Pote, ATP, and, and he, he goes down. Um, and all of a sudden you're looking around and here comes Hadley Panzer in at right guard, the guy that was going to rotate in along all three of those spots along the interior. Mm-hmm. And now it's you five for the most part. Mm-hmm. Hey, it, you're, you guys are the guys who are rolling throughout the entire season. Is Was there ever a kind of um, – uh, okay, we have to play good or because there's, I mean, sure, there's other people behind you, but you are the guys that um, Coach Riley's leaning on. What was that What was that kind of pressure like after TP went down? Um, you know, I don't really think there's a ton of pressure. Um, Taylor, he worked his butt off just like everybody else, and so did Hadley, and we'd all been alternating, playing around. So when you get out there, you know, it's really about doing your job, and we'd all played next to each other. So when somebody else comes in, um, you know Coach has them in for a reason. You've played with them just as much. So there's never really like, oh, that transition. Um, and then I'd say the pressure of having to play good or whatever. I didn't really feel that. I know you can go down the line one by one and not one of those guys wants to come out of the game. Um, they want to be out there. They want to give their best. Um, so there really wasn't ever any of that. Um, we'd really, we've taken so many reps next to each other. You can move BB to right guard, Bubba to left guard, flip the tackles. Um, we've taken a lot of reps together. And I think that's one of the advantages of our group. Um, throughout the year, if a guy went down, somebody came in. And Coach Riley likes to have guys ready to go. You know if you're a two at any point in the game, you can be in there. And I think that's a great asset of our team that we expect that out of those guys down the line. And we expect that this year. And we, we knew that going into spring ball. Those guys are there to compete. Those guys are there to take our job. And at any point in time, they have to be ready to go. So it's kind of something that we focus on so that there is no drop-off when that time comes. Uh, we want everybody to be on the same page. I've asked everyone who I've talked to this question, and, and I'm, I'm curious what you think, but you guys obviously have an outstanding season last year, and you go into the Big 12 championship game against TCU um, as the underdog. Obviously, they're undefeated, getting ready to play for a potential college football playoff berth. Did you feel like it was a big game before you strapped the pads on and went out there to warm up, or did it just kind of feel like another game because of all your preparation? Yeah, I think there was a lot going into that week. Um, of course, we played KU the week before, and the season was kind of a roller coaster, up and down, and um, even dating back to Tulane. <laughs> um, you look at that. And then I, I think the how the game went versus TCU the first time really helped us going into the championship. Um, credit to them, they beat us. But we felt that there was a lot left out there, and people wanted that game back. And you can rewatch the game, and you knew the position we were in. Um, we knew we should have won that game. We wanted to win that game. So when it came back around the second time, um, I think guys were like, man, we 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 have a lot more to put out there. Um, it kind of the coaches do such a great job of keeping everything so routine as far as our Friday night or Saturday morning kind of just felt like another road game. And then when we ran out in AT&T at the beginning, that was kind of the first time I was like, holy smokes, we're here. And for me, as a guy who remembers watching the 2012 Big Champ 12 championship or looking at all our championships and 
I look at BJ Finney or Nick Leckie, those guys who I'm on a small list of centers who've ever got that opportunity. And it kind of, I remember being out on the field just thinking, and it all flashed, like everything I worked for, everything, it kind of went down to there. I mean, that'd been my dream. That was something that I told Coach Kleiman two or three years ago when I wouldn't even start her. We were going to win a Big 12 championship. Um, and to be able to be there and stand in there and live that, it was, it was a special moment. And once it kicked off, I mean, it was just K-State versus TCU again. We played those guys. Um, we played in big stadiums. And um, it was an exceptional game, exceptional crowd. It was, it was a memory I'll never forget. And then obviously you guys win that game. You get to face a tough Alabama team. Once that's over, everybody is kind of wondering what, what comes next with this group. We had a lot of guys who could potentially move on. Obviously, Deuce Bond declares for the draft. So does Felix. Julius Brintz is gone. Echo Boydo is gone. And there's still some guys that, like yourself, that, hey, maybe there's a little bit more left in the tank. Um, what went into the decision, not just for you, but – for really the entire offensive line to decide to run it back for the 2023 season. Yeah. Um, you know, after the big 12 championship ended, there was just so much, like it was such a high, it was kind of hard to make decisions. So we waited a little bit. Um, I think we all had our own individual path, you know, we all have goals, what we want to do. And it, it's individual for everybody, but we knew the importance of wanting to stick together one way or another. And after a few weeks after the Big 12 championship, we went to dinner, we kind of talked about it, and we were like, all like, okay, hey, we're kind of open to it. And I think people realized how much more was out there. And Coach Riley tells his guys every year, um, if you can hang it up and move on and go to the next step, whether it's the NFL or go work and say that you've had enough, he's like, then it's time to go. But if there's any doubt in your mind um, that there's more left and more to accomplish here, uh, then I don't think it's time to move on. And that, that's kind of the only advice he gives us when it comes to that. And I think what really solidified it was that Alabama game. Um, we played that game, and some people might look at the score and say whatever, but when I look at that game, um, I say we belong. And I think we had about 400 yards of offense, and credit to them. Great team, well coached. They made plays. They took advantage of opportunities. But it showed me that we're not that far off. And we got the guys back. We got our quarterback back. And ultimately um, – there's more that we want out there and there's more we want to do. And we think we can do it again and we're planning on doing it again. And that was, I think that's really what kind of everyone had individually. And then you get the opportunity to come back with some of your best friends and do that again. Like, I think there was no way in five to 10 years we could look back and say, Oh man, I'm glad I skipped out on that last year playing football with my best friends and being a championship contender, you know? Um, so it, it was cool that everyone got to come back together. And then, uh, your quarterback, I mean, words can't describe how well Will played at the uh, end of the season last year, and he comes back for another year. Coaches have raved about him the entire spring on just how much he's grown, not just as a quarterback, but as a leader as well. How good can Will Howard be in 2023? I think <laughs> Will Howard can blow the doors off places, um, and people don't even know that. And uh, I look at Will's journey, I look at mine, and I, I see a lot of it the same. Um, I've seen the talent and the skill that Will had this whole time, and he kind of got thrown into a tough situation as a true freshman playing, and then COVID and all that. Um, and Will can be exceptional, and you're going to see a Will Howard this year with confidence. And you saw Will last year, he got thrown into it again midway through the season. He continued to build that confidence, and now you get a whole spring ball, a whole 
a whole other off season of him saying, all right, this is my show continuing to grow physically. I mean, he's a, he's a physical freak. You guys see, I mean, he's, he's a big dude. He could, looks like a D end, but uh, <laughs> I think the confidence that will will have coming into this year is, is just going to open up the doors for him. And he continues to grow physically and put in the work. Another key member of that offense last season was Deuce Vaughn. And we mentioned now he has gone off to the NFL. Um, the running back room is a place where I think maybe K-State fans have a little bit of question marks, but a guy we saw last year really pop off was DJ Giddens from Junction City. Mm -hmm. You guys get Treshawn Ward, the transfer from Florida State. How excited are you to just have that one-two punch? And do you think that the running game might actually look a little bit different this year with now two guys who are expected to basically share the carries? Yeah, um, I think it'll look different. I mean, Deuce Vaughn's Deuce Vaughn. The the way we style things around Deuce Vaughn, he's a special person. He's a You'll see him once every 10 years, maybe, if that. But the guys that we have in there are going to be great. And I think every year, you know, before Deuce, I remember people were like, oh, I don't know about a running back room. We had James Gilbert. We had other people. And each year our coaches do a great job of bringing guys in. They know what it takes. They know who we need. Um, we got some great guys in that room. The competition, Trayshawn's came in right away. He's made an immediate impact. DJ's continued to develop into more of a workhorse and learn the offense, get comfortable with us offensive linemen. Um, there's three or four other guys that are in there working too, and that room's going to be just fine. And we know that whoever's out there is going to do a great job. Um, the coaches have done an exceptional job with our running backs, and they're going to be ready to go. And, and maybe this is a tough question, but out of every single newcomer that you had a chance to be around this spring, was there any single one that made you go, oh, this this guy he 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 might be something because we we've heard some some things about not only some of the transfers but even some of the incoming freshmen who you know by all accounts some of them are 17 18 years old was there a single player that on offense or defense that you're like oh this kid he he might be pretty good yeah um this i look at all these young guys and i'm like man if i was half of what these guys were when they came in they're 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 incredible um you know, off the top of the charts, I think everyone knows Avery's as good as Avery was projected to be. He's a, he's a great, he's continuing to learn, he's continuing to grow. But um, Chidi, he's a defensive lineman. The dude's a freak. I don't know if you've seen him. He, he, I mean, he still looks like a newborn baby deer and the kid's huge. Like, you give him a year or two with Coach Drew, I mean, this guy's going to be a monster. Austin Romain at linebacker, he's in there just, he's as physical as ever, flying around. And those are things that in freshmen are just exceptional. He's going against our one offensive line and he's hitting us and moving around. You could go down the list. They, they really have a great class. I was, I told those guys how proud I was of them just this spring and it can be like a crash course. And those guys continued to just take the hits, take the blows, the knowledge. I mean, you're, you're learning from a fire hose and they worked and continued to grow and the growth that we saw in them, it's, it's going to be huge. That the early enrolling is definitely an advantage for those guys. And, and two more questions before we, we let you go and end this podcast. But I mentioned it at the top. You're going into your sixth year of college now. What um, what have you learned, not only just about football, but about life and spending six years in Manhattan, Kansas? Because there's a lot of people that say that Manhattan changes their life. And just listening to you, it, it sounds like that was the case. Yeah, um, it's been special. Um, when I came to K-State, I came here because of the people. I loved, I truly loved K-State. And I had a dream of coming here, and I had the opportunity to come and do that. And ultimately, when my decision came down to was I stayed because of the people. 
um, the guys around me, the coaches, this community. Um, after the Big 12 championship, I told somebody on the news, I love this place. And I truly do. It, it, it's a special place. And it's given me an opportunity to learn and grow in life like never before. And I've learned, I've had ups and downs and it's been a tough journey, but the power of belief and truly what you want to do and, you know, figuring out what you want your future to be. I mean, the, the sky's the limit. And um, if you have a vision, it, you can really do anything. And I, I've had amazing people at K-State that have done this before me. And it, it's a credit to them. There is no other place like Kansas State. Um, I've played at all the schools. We've been everywhere. I mean, we've seen it all. And Manhattan, Kansas is a special place. And um, I came because of the people. And I'm, I'm back because of the people and the guys around me. And then the last thing I have for you, I want you to finish this sentence for me. Hayden Gillum's goal for 2023 is? Win every single game. All right. There we go. That's the goal. That's Hayden Gillum. I appreciate you joining me uh, on Fighting Never Fighting. Good luck to you. Uh, good luck in workouts. And uh, we'll be talking again very soon, I would imagine. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.